With the world becoming increasingly unpredictable when it comes to your family's health, proactivity is key. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit contains eight essential medications like ivermectin, amoxicillin, and z Rest easy knowing that their chief medical team, including Dr. Peter McCullough, stand behind every kit. Visit twc.health slash Prager. Use the promo code Prager for an exclusive 10% discount. Don't take chances. Secure your family's health today with The Wellness Company. There are people in this country who work hard every day, but not for fame or fortune do they strive, but the fruits of their labor are worth more than their pay. Portions of the following program may contain pre-recorded material. You are listening to the best of the Dennis Prager Show. Hello, Detroit Auto Worker, let me thank you for your time. Hello, my friends. It's Labor Day, and I'm laboring. Dennis Prager here, and my tradition on Labor Day is to ask you about your labor, your work. What do you do for a living? And I have been just fascinated by your ways of making a living. We don't realize, none of us realize, because we all live in a, a, a small world. I mean, it's, it's impossible not to. You know X number of people, you have X number of relatives, and that's pretty much it. Now, we don't live in a small world intellectually or philosophically and the like, but we do in terms by definition. How many people can we possibly know personally? And so it comes as a, as a fascinating surprise, and it's quintessentially American, the ways in which Americans make a buck. So what I do on Labor Day is I invite you to call in and tell me what you do, and it could be absolutely prosaic. It, you know, it doesn't mean you... Uh, you you drill for oil in Tunisia. It doesn't have to be exotic. If you are in a, a profession or a line of work, which many others are in, that's fine. I, I just love, first of all, I love to talk to people, which I would think would be a fairly common characteristic among talk show hosts. But it isn't. It isn't, interestingly. Off the air, a lot of these guys are are quite introverted and are not people people. I'm not, and this is not an attack at all, just a personality. But I am a people person. I'm a people person. And I love to talk to people. I, love, I talk to people, as you know, I've told you, in elevators, uh, anywhere. And so I love to ask people about their work. One eight Prager seven seven six, which translates digitally into translates digitally into eight seven seven two four three triple seven six eight seven seven two four three triple seven six eight seven seven two four three. This is the official one, unless what? Yes, 
Oh, really? He prefers? My producer prefers this to, oh, I see. Well, they're both good. I I don't know if I have a preference. Isn't there even a third? There are several. No, no, no. I understand that. I understand. But there's no reason not to use them. So, dear Francesca Morris, who has volunteered her time to work on this Labor Day along with the inimitable, the ineffable, the inexpressible, the induplicable, Sean McConnell, whose name is spelled... That was composed by yours truly, incidentally. I, I, there are areas where I just don't like to boast, but that is one I am really proud of. That is the only piece of music I have ever composed. I didn't orchestrate it, I didn't sing it, but I composed it. So what do you do for a living? It's Labor Day, and it's an appropriate question to ask, and I, I, I have a lot of fun. So do you. Are you listening And it is, among other things, you will see, an ode to America. Because unless crushed, the spirit of people, and this would be true anywhere, it's a values issue. It's not a DNA issue. There's no American DNA. And so unless crushed, which is what happens in the vast majority of the countries of the world, people just will do whatever they do. All right, so let's begin with Ambler, Pennsylvania, and Hugh. Hello, Hugh. Dennis Prager, welcome on Labor Day. Hello, Dennis. Uh, happy Labor Day to you, and, I, and I'm very thrilled that I'm number one on the list today. Thank you. Well, no, no, that is something. That is something. <laughs> but I was just going to uh, – I work uh, in a grocery store, okay, a supermarket, if you will. I work for Whole Foods Markets. And it's, uh, I work in the store in North Wales, Pennsylvania. Right. I'll, I'll say hello when I'm in Philly. Oh, very good. I know you come here often. Yep. And um, I'm a baker. I work as a baker there. I go in early in the morning. What time? I, I usually get there around 4.30 a.m. Go on. And wait. So Whole Foods, which I've been to many times, but I didn't realize. So the bakery bakes what? Well, we do actual scratch baking in the bakery. We take, um, you know, uh, items. Uh, we don't just open boxes and bake the stuff. It's, it's made from scratch. And what's the stuff you bake? Breads? Well, we, we do breads, but mostly we do cakes and pastries and what you would find in a uh, neighborhood retail bakery. I thought, well, maybe I have it confused with another uh, a store chain, but doesn't Whole Foods tend... Oh, right. They do sell things with sugar. They don't sell things with artificial sugars. Exactly. See, that's, that's nice... it. Yes. yes. But the nice thing about me, I'm a fourth-generation baker. Wow. Okay. I'm 59 years old, so I've been doing this since I was 10 years old with my father. And what, what the nice thing is about working with Whole Foods is the ingredients I get to work with. Like, we use only real butter. We don't use any of the artificial short means or anything. Um, it's all real. Let alone, good. God forbid, margarine. They got God forbid. Uh, uh, God, I got two, two, two. <laughs> but, so that's one of the nice things about it. But I know, like, little retail bakeries, they can't afford to use ingredients like that. 
But at Whole Foods, we can, and we still do, and that's why people say, well, call All right, so I got to, now, now it's my turn to ask you some questions. Okay, First, about the hours. So if you report to Whole Foods at 4.30, what time do you get up? Oh, well, I get up around 3 a.m. And what time is your work day over? Uh, I usually work till about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. All right, all right, so hold on. Wait. So you come home and you take a nap? Take a little nap. I, I, I usually, uh, when I'm napping, I'm, I have you on the radio by, by, by being sick. Uh, uh, you know, that's very sweet. So either I help you nap <laughs> or I don't help you nap. No, but I get that's, to listen to you every day because I usually leave like around one o'clock. Oh, that's that's really nice. I'm gonna yeah, no, no, so. it's real. It is really nice. So, what time do you go to sleep? Well, I try to get to bed by at least nine. It doesn't yeah. always work that way, right. especially with the Republican convention. I was really struggling, right? And I thought, why do we get the big the big speeches like at ten thirty at night on the East Coast? I was like amazed by that. Well, but, they they have to do that. They're, both parties yeah. have to do that. But so are you? Let me ask you this: Are you married? Yes, I'm married. I have two children. So I assume your wife doesn't go to bed at nine. No, she doesn't. So this is just the way it's worked out. It's always worked out that way. We, it's it's very good. Like like in other words, when she comes to bed, she's very um, very quiet. She's she you know she doesn't come in there and wake me up or anything. But but it does. It's we we do have our struggles with that. But uh, yeah, look, everybody yeah. has struggled with something. But you're employed. Yes, I am employed. And, and wait, and on the love meter, loving what you do, one to ten, hate one, just love ten. What are you? What is it? Oh well, I'm, I'm I well working for Whole Foods. I'm an eight. It's a really good company. That's uh, that's I, I really not. What is I, your most proud production? The most proud thing that I make. Yes. I tell you what, I really enjoy the pound cake and the angel food cake that we make. So we, uh, you're speaking Whole Foods, but you specifically make those. Yes, I do specifically make those. Um, I want you, if this is possible, to send me a pound cake and bill me. Oh, I would love to do that. All right, all right. So stay on, and we'll give so, you, uh, we'll give you the address. Yeah, I was going to say, do I just send it to Radio Land? Or yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Dennis Prager, Radio Land, America. <laughs> all right, I do have a final final. Are your any? Do you have kids? Yes. Any of them bakers? No, they're not bakers. So it ended in the fifth generation. I would love to see them. I think that I think they would like to do it, but it's a really tough. But I don't know. It, you know, there are like the supermarkets are keeping it alive, but it's a tough way to make a living if you if you have your own bakery. All right, so, stay so, on, and Francesco will give Dennis, you an address. Dennis, one more thing. Go on, I'm ears. I, okay, I, I appreciate what you do. Um, you are one of the, I've listened to talk radio for a long time. Did you ever remember a man named Dominic Quinn? Yes. In Philadelphia, yes. Well, he was the first one I ever started listening to, and you are definitely a number two behind Dominic Quinn. I think you're awesome. Well, that's very kind of you. So maybe you won't bill me for the cake. Just kidding. Ja, I really am just kidding. Yeah, yeah. 
show on Labor Day, and what I do is ask you what your labor is. So, what do you do for a living? And we go to, let's see, oh, i got calls around the country. Oh, I'll go to San Antonio in the middle, sort of in the middle. Hello, Steve in San Antonio, Dennis Prager. Good afternoon, Dennis. This is Steve. How are you? Thank you. Well. Uh, okay, you're on the air. Go ahead. Yes, I'm a fitness trainer in San Antonio, a fitness professional. Does that mean you do private to clients? Yes, I teach uh, personal training. I also do some group fitness classes. Pardon me, I'm trying to turn the radio off. do yeah. some group fitness classes. So, so wait, wait. The group fitness classes are at a workout place? Yes, I have my own facility. Oh, you have your own facility. Wow. Yeah, yeah it's called so you... Firestorm Fit Camps. All right. Firestorm Fit Camps. I'm also a franchise with an organization called Fitness Revolution. Excellent. And you are obviously quite fit. Well, I like to think so. Well, I'm sure your uh, your clients like to think so, too. Uh, it's, it's hard to imagine yeah. a not-a-shape trainer. Right. I'm, I'm in better shape than uh, probably... Ninety percent, ninety-five percent of the people in my age. Bracket, now, do I'm... you do you work out independently, or or basically once you're finished with the day, you've really done enough workouts on your own? No, I, I have a regular fitness training time. I meet some gentlemen at, at another gym, and we train together every day. Uh, about four days a week. And how long does that take? About forty minutes. And what do you do primarily? We lift heavy stuff. Yeah. Now, is it fair to say, I'm a, obviously I'm a layman in this regard, but I have a lot of interest in, in what you do. Is it fair to say that there's a sort of d- divided outlook on those who are very pro-weightlifting and those who aren't? Yes. So There's a, there's a great misconception, um, especially with female trainers or training clients, that if they lift heavy weights, they're going to get big and bulky, and that's just uh, that's a fallacy. Uh, you either have to have the blessed genetics, you have to pick your parents right, or you have to take some sort of uh, enhancement in order to get to that level of development. But for the average individual, just lifting hard, uh, short rest times, eating properly, that's the big key, will produce some tremendous results and give people a... And what's, what's, your, gui- what's your guideline for eating properly? I like to say eat things like God made them. If you can't pick it off a tree or pluck it out of the water, then don't eat it. My favorite uh, line is to tell people, if they find a 7-Up River or tortilla tree, call me and we'll eat and drink our fill. <laughs> you mean there's no Diet Coke-like? Well, I've, I've been looking, but I haven't found it yet. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I, I hear you. Well, it is, it is a real joy. Thank you. All right, I'm, I'm keeping a list here. Because uh, often it happens we actually never even duplicate one profession in the course of three hours. So fitness trainer, and he's an entrepreneur. He owns his own place. That, that, that's impressive, sir. Good luck to you. All right. Now let's go to Jeremy in Irvine, California. Hello, Jeremy. Dennis Prager. Hi, Dennis. Hi. I've been trying to get in for five years. All right. Uh, you know, Very not bad. Not bad. 
<laughs> Pleasure to have you, Jeremy. And what do you do, sir? I sell laptop parts, mostly over the Internet. Now, uh, are you making a, a living out of it? Uh, so far, it's been five years. Well, let me. So, who do you sell it to? To, to people who do repairs, or to the end user? Yes. No, 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 no. Or question can get a yes. There's a rule here. <laughs> <laughs> I sell it to anybody that can, that wants to buy. So you sell it to both. You sell it to both. Shops, everybody. So, I, I can't imagine as an end user taking apart my laptop. I mean. If it's a desktop, there's a, you know you you open it up and you can replace this, you can replace that. But a laptop? Well, some things aren't too hard. Uh, AC adapters, batteries—they're not very hard. But things like putting in a keyboard or a screen are a little more difficult. There's a lot of resources out on the internet that allow you to do it pretty easily. Well, if you sell laptop, let's say the keyboard on somebody's Sony Vio—I'm just picking right. one then in my brain. Uh, breaks. No, I am. I'm just yeah. just picking one as an example. Okay. So the keyboard has broken. Where do you get the keyboard? Well, it depends. Most keyboards I get direct from uh, brokers in China that deal with the factories. Otherwise, I get it direct from the manufacturer. Sometimes they're not very hard to get, but most people don't want to waste the time or don't want to do the research to find it themselves, and I fill that need for them. And, and so I see. And you are findable through Google? Is that your primary source of clients? Yeah, we do a lot of AdWords and uh, SEO, and we're number one for the term laptop parts right now. Oh, so we, as you started this business with others? I uh, used to be at another company. That company got bought out, so I got laid off, and I decided I'm just going to do it for myself. With with others or or truly yourself? Just by myself. Started so why did all right? Out of just curiosity, why did you say we? Uh, because I have a lot of team members that help me get it done now. I see. But so you own your company. Yes. So you are the classic small business. I am. Well, I know how you're voting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure it matters in California. No, no. That well, uh, yeah. Well, it does. It, it does on an emotional level. <laughs> All right, good luck to you, Jeremy. I will look for you on the Internet if uh, my keyboard. By the time my keyboard breaks, I will admit, if a keyboard on my laptop broke, I would be searching for a new one. But uh, I, I, if you really love it, and, and obviously with money being what it is for many people, I think that Jeremy is going to be doing fine. And I hope you do. All right. And uh, and and your vote does matter. Just want to just want to tell you, it does matter a great deal because there are there are a whole host of people running for office at any given time. So Californians should not think that way at all. John in Louisville, Kentucky, Dennis Prager. Hi. Hello, Dennis. Yes, sir. Hello, it's John Turner. I'm looking I had a feeling. January. Ah, you're coming on the cruise. Terrific. Yes, sir. Yes, I uh, have been working for Rainbow Blossom Health Food Store in the Louisville area for the last ten and a half years, and I'm a nutritional consultant, and 
love my job very much on a scale from zero to ten. I would say I love my job a ten. Wow. And why is that? You feel you're helping people? Exactly. It's like a second paycheck to me. That is beautiful. So this store is big enough to have a full-time nutritionist, as it were. It is. Yes, there's five rainbow blossoms in the Louisville area. Right. Well, John, you're going to give me some advice on the cruise. Great to hear from you. We'll be back in a moment. I'm Dennis Prager, Labor Day. Some people say a man is made out of mud. A poor man's made out of muscle and blood. Muscle and blood and skin and bones. A mind that's weak and a back that's strong. You load 16 tons. What do you get? Another day older and deeper in depth. St. Peter, don't you call me cause I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. You are listening to the best of the Dennis Prager Show. I was born one morning when the sun didn't shine. I picked mm, up I my shovel this. and I walked to the mine. I loaded 16 tons, a number nine coal, and the straw boss said, Well, to bless my soul, you load 16 tons. Yep, what it's Labor Day music. Selected by our beloved producer, Mr. E. Dennis Prager here on Labor Day, and it's a lot of fun, the Labor Day show. What do you do for a living? And I'd ask you questions about it because I'm curious about people and about what they do. The list is, as usual, quite... Wow. I tell you, it's fascinating. All right, let's go to New York City and Tzaddik. Hello, Tzaddik. How are you? Good. How are you, Mr. Prager? Uh, since I'm familiar with both Hebrew and Yiddish and uh, Jewish names, how did you get the name Tzaddik, which means righteous one? Well, my mother's Israeli and my father's American. My father, God rest his soul, is, is American. And... Um, they were both very artistic, and they tried to have a child, and it wasn't easy. And they decided to name their first child a very unusual kind of name and a lot to live up to. So that's what they named it. Yeah, well, a lot to live up to is right. Uh, it's it's quite remarkable. I've never met a person, uh, a Jew named Tzaddik, and I'm sure you get this question all the time. I, I do, since I'm a little kid. Yeah. I actually went to uh By the way, you know how I know you're a New Yorker? How? Because you said, since I'm a little kid, not since I was a little kid. <laughs> okay. It took me 27 and a half years to undo that. Right. <laughs> That's how deep it is in, in a New York way of speaking. And I and I sound like an upper class Englishman compared to my <laughs> Oh no, you do indeed. No, no, you sound terrific. It's just that phrase. Right, right. That that is quintessential New York. So what do you do for a living? I actually sell antique Jewish objects. How far back? Uh, 18th century, about 1750. Uh, I see. So for those not familiar, that would be like a menorah. 
Exactly. And uh, from, so let's say a menorah from Poland from the 19th century. Correct. That sort of thing. How do you get your material to sell? I scour auction houses from all over the world. Uh, I've had stuff shipped to me from Australia, from South America, from Turkey. Uh, before, during the 19, early 30s, when Jews were getting out of Germany, a lot of them fled to many different areas, and consequently, after the war, uh, a lot went to, besides the United States, obviously, to other countries to settle. And these heirlooms have been passed down, and unfortunately, when, when children or grandchildren don't appreciate it, they just put it up for, for auction, not knowing really... What is the... Uh, I don't even need the most, but what is one of the most expensive? How much was it, and what was it? Well... The most expensive item I've ever had, I'm also a collector. So I'm a collector first and a dealer second. So the item that really just blew my mind that I came across in an auction was a completely hand-carved wooden box to hold a knife for the circumcision ceremony. Where was that made? uh, In the Ukraine. When? and it's dated 1828, everything in Hebrew. It says Mazel Tov. It has two lines of Judah. And uh, Does it have a picture of a kid crying? No, 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 no picture of a kid crying. No, no, it's, it's all strictly, think of uh, gorgeous, intricately, intricately carved uh, folk art with uh, Jewish elements and motifs. And it's one of a kind. It's it's their circumcision knife box. Is usually the knife is engraved or it has in, encrusted. So how much was it? Well, I paid less than a thousand dollars. I've been offered six figures. Wow! And one to ten, how much do you love your work? Uh, from a spiritual side, of ten. From a financial, about a three. Oh, wow. But I wrote a book, and I'm trying to get it published, so hopefully that'll be jacked up to an 8 or a 9. Well, I, I, re- I, I wish you well. What a fascinating call. Back in a moment, Labor Day Show, Dennis Prager. pre-recorded material. You are listening to the best of the Dennis Prager Show. Hello, my friends. Labor Day means the Labor Day Show on the Dennis Prager Show. I am Dennis Prager. Thank you for listening. What do you do for a living? I can't think of an, a more appropriate subject for Labor Day. What do? What is your labor? And uh, I am... Each year, astounded at the variety. You would think just by the law of averages, we would get a certain number of, for perhaps, people in sales. 
because there are, I would presume, a lot of people in sales. But that just doesn't work out that way. The, the variety is just, I think, an ode to what freedom allows. Whatever you can think up, and if you can have the niche, then you make a living. And often, love what you're doing, which is the best. That's what I do for a living. I love what I do for a living. 30 years. And it's like day one. It's, it's, it's that exciting. All right. Let's continue here. What do we have thus far? We had in hour one a baker for Whole Foods, a fitness trainer, man who owns a company that sells laptop parts, a consultant at a health food store, a seller of Jewish antique items, man, the man who monitors the heart-lung machine during open-heart surgery at the, at the a perfusionist. Now, is it pro or per? It's per. Yes. Uh, you say, yeah. A perfusionist. And a man who secures ads, the ads for the backs of supermarket receipts. And apparently that is so lucrative, there are people who make a million dollars doing it. And I went into talk radio. All righty, Phoenix, Arizona. Scott. Hello, Scott Dennis Prager. Good day, Dennis. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. My passion is adding value to gift giving, and I build personalized wine boxes. Totally personalized with laser engraving, so we put names, dates, graphics, logos, even photos right on the box, and it really uh, makes the gift unique and different. Oh, I see. So somebody wishing to give a gift of a wine, of a bottle of wine, is even giving the bigger gift of the box in which they will put it. Right. A lot of people think of just putting it in a paper bag or just putting it on the counter, you know. the Yeah, I'm one of them. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Now, let me, so so once the person receives that, and it, it obviously is a remarkable gift, but once they receive it, what do they do with it? Well, if it has their name on it, we all love to see our name uh, on the shelf, so it gets displayed really for a long, long time. I see. So with uh, one with one bottle of wine, obviously. Right. And, and it's great, uh, yeah. Great as a wedding gift, you know, because the date what's is the there, uh, what's the most that's... expensive one you've sold? Well, I do make a six bottle box uh, that's pretty expensive, but uh, how much? A lot of times we'll have lot. Well, that one's around two hundred dollars. Oh well, that's pretty reasonable. I thought you were going to say something much higher. I mean, no, you I'm... so you use a laser to engrave their name or whatever or some message. Yes, I design the the graphic and get an okay from the customer, and then the laser machine actually engraves or burns the graphic or the names, and then it cuts out the pieces, and then I sand everything, assemble it with glue and pins, and put a sliding the top on it makes it quite uh, quite different. How do people find out about you? Oh, uh, we're totally uh, online business. Um, yeah, but still, but I, people don't even think it exists. See, well, that, that's the hard thing. Yeah, exactly. Keywords. You know, what keyword do you search for? That's right. Yeah, well, I mean, you can't, you know, personalized wine box. But now I know it, but I wouldn't have thought it before. 
Maybe you, maybe you'll get business of, as a result of this. A lot of my um, business is repeat business because people are giving it for wedding gifts, so there's a crowd of people around. So Yeah. Well, I, I wish you good luck. There you go. Talk about uh, a man who's made a niche. See, there. I, I always explain to advertisers, people who want to sell a product on my own show, I say there are two types of products. This is the big, the single biggest separation. There are products that you have to convince people yours is the best of that product, but they're going to buy the product. So a car, for example. Everybody's going to buy a car. So you don't have to convince people to buy a car. You have to convince people to buy your car. Then there is another type of product, which is far harder. You have to convince people that they need that product and that it exists. That's a far more difficult sell to make. That's what his sell is, because if everybody wanted to buy a personalized wine box with every gift of wine, then he would just say, well, I'm the best, fine. But who thinks of it? So that's a uh, that's that's a challenge. All righty, let's go to uh, some more here. Uh, Ray in Camarillo, California. Hi, Ray. Dennis Prager. Yes, good morning. It's an honor, sir. Thank you. Thank you. What do you do for a living? I'm a, uh, the owner of a uh, actuarial and ERISA consulting firm. We establish set up retirement plans for individuals and small companies. So uh, you help with the personal finances of your of your clients. Well, it's it's really oriented, frankly, to the to a corporate level, where the owner of the company says, in, in combination with his own finances and that of his staff, our job is to design a plan that not only allows the owner to put away significant dollars, uh, but also to take care of key staff members. Because I've learned long ago that you're only as good as your staff. So our plans allow him to literally pick and choose the key employees in the company, a sales director, a CFO, even even the guy out that's shipping. He can create individually uh, individual contributions for those employees to reward them for job well done. So in one sentence, what do you do for a living? Set up retirement plans that reward people and help them save for retirement. How's business? You know, it's very good. It's very good. How do you make your money? Uh, we basically charge for the type of plan and the number of employees that are in the plan. I see. Yeah. So you, you don't make any money from the, the places that the money is invested? Uh, we do work on the investment side, but it's our primary goal is to design the plan that fits the company. And if the company then wants our assistance on the investment side, we do some of it. We also retur- refer out a lot to investment managers who uh, do that for a full-time living. Uh, how much do you make a year? <laughs> do you know, before you answer, do you know it is so... It, if I ask this man, ladies and gentlemen, how often he has uh, intimate relations with his wife, he would tell me. But if you ask people their salary, it is so interesting. You don't have to tell me, but remember, you are anonymous. Well, let, let, I won't use you. What does the person in your field generally make? Well, as owner of the company, basically, I'm the very top of the pyramid. I see. My, my administrators, my longest-term employee is 33 years. And in my staff, my median duration with the company is over 17 years. And my administrators make anywhere from sixty to to $100,000 a year. Gotcha. 
Well, good luck to you, sir. There you go. Isn't it interesting? Why are people reluctant? I, it's, uh, can you write that down, Sean? I, I, uh, I, I think I'm going to pose that as a question on a, on a regular hour once. Why are people reluctant to say what they earn? I mean, it, people will talk to you about troubles that their children have uh, before they will tell you what they make for a living. And I don't. I and the truth is, I don't understand why. I mean, I can understand why people are reluctant to talk about, let's say, marital problems. You're embarrassed, but why are you? There's no. What is the embarrassment? You make too much. You make too little. <laughs> I guess both. I, you know, if you make, you know, you make. More than a hundred thousand, you don't want to tell anybody, and you make under ninety thousand, you don't want to tell anybody. <laughs> so if you make between ninety and a hundred thousand, you'll tell everybody. <laughs> no, I don't. I, it's so interesting, and I don't know the answer. And nobody ever asks. I mean, oh, absolutely not. You know, how are your hemorrhoids? Is okay. What? What do you make for a living? That's verboten. I will uh, be back in a moment. Labor Day. I'm Dennis Prager. Talk about what you labor at, what you do for a living. So far, no duplicates. Seems like everybody does something different. <laughs> but I would imagine too that I appeal to the. If I if I have a vocational appeal, and there are people in every vocation who listen to the show, we know that. But it would seem to be that the the entrepreneur. And the small business owner and the person who works, who's developed his own niche, is going to be the most likely vocationally uh, to respond. Is that you think so? I don't know why. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm not. It's not good or bad. It just, it's just something that. Otherwise, there would be more, more people calling in from regular professions, but I don't know what regular means. Maybe there isn't. There there must be regular professions. I have to think that among the jobs that people work at that most consist of listeners to this show, I, I am, this is purely anecdotal. I have no basis on any scientific survey is sales, people in sales who listen to the show and, uh, from going, you know, from sales to sales, and and women who uh, are uh, raising kids. Th- that's a huge 
huge listenership because I'm here here comes a very jolting statement. You get more intellectual stimulation from me than your five year old. Oh I said it. Ah 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 Of course it's true. <laughs> I mean, you know. And uh, a lot of women want intellectual stimulation. God bless them. All right, let's go to some more of your uh, of what you do for a living here, and we'll go to Corona, California. Eric, hello, Eric. Dennis Prager. Hey, Dennis. Hi. Uh, I do computerized access control in uh, some of the most Computerized access control. Correct. Meaning, I make sure that the I make sure the good guys can get where they need to go, and the bad guys can't. Bad guys meaning uh, petty theft to terrorists to everything in between. Well, what exactly do you do? Well, uh, we have uh, card readers that uh, you swipe your badge at the reader, and it allows you through a doorway, through a gate. Through an elevator. So, what do you? Which part do you work on? Do you make both the card and the reader? We integrate them. We uh, some companies make the the reader. Some companies make the cards. Um, and some people make the circuit boards. Some people make the software. Okay, so you are you're the final you're the final step to the buyer. Yeah, we interface with the end user. What's the most or one of the most sophisticated examples? Um, I've been where military satellite data was analyzed, and if I looked the wrong way, a guy with an M16 wasn't real thrilled with me. <laughs> what does it mean, look the I, wrong way? What, what does that mean? You, when I was in this particular room, they had curtains up blocking things I couldn't see because I was I didn't have a high enough security clearance to look. Oh, so you were there selling? You were there selling them your product? Integrating. I was actually assembling it, um, manufacturing it. Well, not manufacturing. So, what is the fu- what is the future of this eyeball reading? Well, that is extremely secure because it's very difficult to cut somebody's eyeball out and carry it over to the reader. Um, whereas, technically, a finger you could chop somebody's finger off. So, that's about the most secure method. It's very inconvenient. Most people really don't like it. Biometrics where you put your hand on the reader, it analyzes your bone structure, and that's very secure, and it's a lot more user-friendly. You can just rest your hand on it, and you can control how sophisticated it is. If you gain one pound, it can reject you, or you can dial it back to where it will it won't be quite as sensitive. But yeah, have, have, ha, Has any system you've, uh, you've sold been broken? Breached? Yeah, breached. That's the Duty. word. Due to user error, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Due to user error. <laughs> he was quick on that one. <laughs> well, the New York airport, some jet skier got onto it. I didn't install that system, but I've installed systems at airports and maintained systems at airports. And after that happened, I saw a lot more police presence at airports out on the What is your background, computers? Yes. I see. I was in the military, got technical training there, and... Well, let me just say, Eric, we need you. We need you, and I appreciate your call. That was good. 
All right, let's go to Katie in Scottsdale, Arizona. Hello, Katie, Dennis Prager. Hi, Dennis. Um, I'm one of those uh, stay-at-home moms that uses you for intellectual stimulation. Yeah, exactly. I, I, there are so many of you, and, yes, there are. And, and I commend you. And I let know, me just you tell you, I love you for it. Well, oh, good. That means a lot to me because I'm I'm one of your great advocates. I know, I know, and it means a lot to us. And so that's why I also kind of just wanted to kind of just say what we we do to give a little shout out to stay home moms, and also um, I also homeschool my kids. Um, my boys are six and eight. I've been home with them since they were born, and we decided to homeschool a few years ago for numerous reasons I won't get into. But um, I do have a pretty long list of responsibilities, obviously um, schooling them, and which I enjoy immensely. And is it is pretty much getting re-educated myself. Of course. I love it. Of course. I just finished studying the American Revolution. I loved it. It was so much fun. They had a blast. They know. What do, do you remember? What books did you use? Or, 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 or? Um, we've used we <laughs> we use a lot of books. We do a lot of reading. So right, um, I know, I know. Look, yeah, I, when I meet homeschool kids, it's it, it, I can tell within twenty seconds. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, that takes a lot of work, you know, the prep and the and the implementation. On top of that, you know, the regular household duties, taking running the house, doing the finances, cleaning. Which cleaning after two small boys, um, three dogs and a cat, that is a job all by itself. Um, you know, all of the meal planning and everything, everything I do um, for my husband because I am a wife also. Uh, music to my ears. <laughs> and, you know, he works full time. So, you know, I take, uh, I take care of him too, which I enjoy very much. He also takes care of me. Do you have any clones who are single for men listening who are? <laughs> you know, unfortunately, at this point in my life, uh, all of my friends are pretty much married. Right. Um, so, uh, no. But um, uh, I also do, I serve at my church every week. I serve for, I, I volunteer for an organization here in Phoenix called Raising Special Kids. One of my sons has autism, so I, I do work for them. Um, I try to maintain a little bit of a social life outside of outside of homeschooling. I'm one of the Prager girls, so we have our regular luncheons, which usually last about five hours, and that's a good uh, outlet. And we, well, we you, you, you and any number of other things. You are beautiful in every way. Dennis Prager here. I'm still uh, thinking about the last call. This is the Labor Day show. I ask you what you do for a living. I was a homeschooling mother, eloquent and wonderful sounding. And I, I mentioned, and she's one of the examples, I know this, and it makes perfect sense, and it's, it's no boast. But I, and not only I, I'm the intellectual stimulation for a full-time mother. 
There are many wonderful things, I think, unbelievably great number in raising children. But intellectual stimulation isn't one of them. If it were, we would have 10-year-old talk show hosts. Right? I mean, but it's not possible. So I'm just imagining the kids starting to uh, crank or, you know, crank. And I'm making a really good point. And the mother says, will you hold on? Just one minute. Let Dennis finish. Exactly. You'll cry then. All right, let's go to some more of what do you do for a living. And uh, let's see here. This is a. Uh, this is not one I would have uh, thought uh, thought of. Bill in Camarillo, California. Hi. Hi, Dennis. Hey, pleasure talking with you. Thank uh, you. Yes, I am a freelance writer, and my field is uh, I test street motorcycles for motorcycle magazines. Awesome. You know how many men envy you? Uh, it's it's about forty million last time I checked. Yeah, you know, no, no, it, it's you. You should walk around with a mask. <laughs> <laughs> you 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 cause with a dark shield. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's right. You cause large numbers of men to violate the tenth commandment of coveting <laughs> what somebody else has. Yeah. So you actually so, wow. So you must love your work. Oh, absolutely. I've been doing this for thirty-four years. So what you need uh, are two two different skills. You need to know mo- motorcycles, and you need to know how to write. Yes, back in my early days, I always wanted to be a writer. I always had been a motorcyclist. I was a photographer, and suddenly lucked into a job at a motorcycle magazine, and I've been doing that ever since. And uh, about once a month, the editor calls me up and says, I've got a particular bike or two or three to test, and so I come in, pick up the bike, uh, ride it around for a few weeks, uh, um, get reimbursed for my my meals and my uh, my gasoline, uh, write the article. Often I'm photographed on the motorcycle for the test and uh, turn that in, and uh, I'm a happy man. Now, do you? I always wonder this about critics, whether it's of mo- well, not not forget movies, but critics of. For example, I'm into stereo, so I read a lot of, you know, reviews on stereo equipment. Does it ever pain you to write a bad review? It does, but I I was told something years ago at my first job that at the in the magazine that really stuck with me. And the editor told me that if you're going to say something positive, you can have fun, you can kid around, you can exaggerate, you know, with uh, you know within reason. But he said, if you're going to say something negative about a motorcycle, you have to say it so precisely that even the manufacturer could not disagree with you. Oh, what a good rule. And you can't put a line like, I wish Charlie Manson would ride this bike. (laughs) No, that wouldn't work. (laughs) Well, what is the ratio? I mean, are most, in other words, are the vast majority wonderful, but some are more wonderful than others? Or some are lousy, some are mediocre, and some are wonderful. Well, all the bad ones have been gone for many years because it's, the market is so competitive. I would imagine. So most of what I do is differentiate what a particular motorcycle does and how it does it relative to the other motorcycles in its class. This one may be more comfortable for long-distance trips. This other one may be have, have better handling. This other one may have better brakes. 
Um, so it, you're, you're kind of fine-tuning exactly what they specialize in, but there, there, there really aren't too many that are, that are bad. All right, I'll, one final question. If price were no issue, are you, can you, do you, do you feel free to say what your favorite is right now? As long as you understand it's my favorite and not the best, because... That's I'm fine. That's good. Okay, job. not the best. You're a personal favorite. My personal favorite, I would love to have a BMW R1200GS, because it, to me it's one of the best overall motorcycles made. I give you my word of honor, my dear listeners, I thought he'd say BMW. Because of my talk with Frank Pastore. Thank you, sir. Pre-recorded material. You are listening to the best of the Dennis Prager Show. You know I work all day to get your money to buy a thing. And it's worth it just to hear you say, you're going to give me everything. So why I let you down Because when I get you alone, you know I feel okay. When I'm home, everything's The work music. Appropriate to the day and the show, the Labor Day show, Dennis Prager here. What do you do for a living? I wish I had kept the list from previous years. I have it from today, but uh, I have to remember to keep it. The variety of work that you folks do is just fascinating, and I love talking to you about it. So that's what we do on Labor Day. What's your labor? No politics today, which is a pleasure in and of itself. And so let's go to more of your calls. And if you missed it, I touched on an area that I think we'll explore during a regular hour on a regular day. People who uh, hate their work, why do they hate it? And I think the meaning issue, I think there are two, I think there are two big issues, but uh, we're not going to, I'm not asking for your opinion on this because I want you to call in on what you do for a living with. I think there are two things. One is the people that you work with, and two, do you, is, do you believe your work is meaningful? And I use the man who monitors the heart-lung machine in in heart surgery and bypass surgery, very complex surgeries for many hours standing and just looking at the machine. Under other circumstances, the same work would would perhaps be terrible, monotonous. But because of the significance, that's what, that's a great, it's a great analogy of life itself. If you feel that your life is meaningful, that's everything. I got that from Victor Frankel, F-R-A-N-K-L, Man's Search for Meaning, one of the book, ten books that most influenced my life. We have that list somewhere up at DennisPrager.com. All right, my friends, let's go to uh, more of your calls. West Lafayette, Indiana. 
Bob. Hello, Bob Dennis Prager. Mr. Prager, it's an honor to speak with you. Well, thank you for that. Um, I do apartment maintenance. Uh, some of it's student housing, some of it's residential. So maintenance means uh, ensure that it's clean? Uh, no, uh, they have cleaning people. Like if somebody moves out, somebody else, like there's people that go in and clean, do the carpet. So what uh, What? What do you maintain? If the toilet's plugged up, they call me. So, no, now wait, wait, hold on. So you do this for apartment buildings? Yes. Uh, if somebody's toilet's plugged up, they call me. If somebody's shower drain don't drain, they call me. If the, there's a drip, uh, they call me. So if is that analogous to what we used to call the superintendent? Well, uh, I go over, I actually spread over most of the county as far as to what they maintain. But uh, I just do all the repairs. Uh so you per, you personally, or it's your company? What exactly? No, I work for I work for somebody else. Right. I'm the guy. They, okay. I get so emails you, in the morning. So somebody's toilet's plugged up. Somebody's shower. I see. Up. I got you. I got you. So okay. Now, may I ask? Uh, and again, you can say you don't want to say. What do you make a year? I make about thirty grand a year. And you work all day. Uh, generally speaking, it's, uh, 40 to 50 hours a week. Uh, some weeks where, where you got a roto router or a sewer or something like that, because we do that ourselves too. And well, I do that as in for the company, but I could run into some 16 hour days doing that. But that so I, are you paid by, uh, by salary or by the hour? By the hour. Uh, that's what I thought. I understand. So you're on call. Pretty much. There yeah. there might be a day where they, you... They leave me alone on weekends. I mean, I check my email, and if, right. if somebody's got a disaster, we're soon, yeah. Yeah. What was the worst disaster, or among the worst disasters you've had to uh, maintain? Uh, water main busted next to the foundation of a house that had uh, three finished apartments in the basement. Well, what did you do? Shut off the water and started backing things out. <laughs> what, you, what? What is it with water extractors? Are there the, the machines? No. Uh, it, it, well, it's just start with sh big shop backs, and then when you get it down to the nitty gritty, then you call in professionals and have them get the right. Thing. Now, what's the most common thing you're called to do? The most common. Oh. uh... Well, see, that depends on where you're at. If you're on campus, it's busted windows. If you're in uh, residential housing, it's uh, toilets. Yeah. Uh, do the Shower people, I, I'm, I'm just curious, the people, the, one sec, the people with the toilets, do you ever wonder, does this person not know how to use a plunger? Or is, uh, a lot of, no, most of the stuff they call me for is beyond. Okay, fine. All right, so it, it is, they do, they did need you. Well, yeah, if you drop a shower curtain ring in a toilet, it'll get stuck in the little snake thing going on in there, and yeah, it'll, you can plunge it, and it'll unplug, and it'll be fine for about two And how many years have you been doing this work? Oh, 
Uh, as all I do, about two years. Oh, what did you do before? Oh, I'm a diesel mechanic. A diesel mechanic? Yeah. Okay. And how do you like your work? One to ten. Uh, give it a seven. Okay. Well, we need you. That's all I could say. <laughs> You're more necessary than uh, than uh, I was. Well, <laughs> I don't want to get political here, but uh, I would say that we need uh, maintenance men a lot more than we need um, some of the uh, professors that uh, teach at the universities in certain in certain disciplines. But I, I won't name them because. Uh, I don't want to get to go there right now. Not that professors in general are not necessary. I love the life of the mind. We go to a Dave, Los Angeles. Hello, Dave. Dennis Prager. Hi, Dennis. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Yes, I'm a union organizer. I've been one for 35 years now. Well, I'm glad you listened to the show, given how much I knock the unions. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I listen religiously, literally, because I, I, I first found you from Religion on the Line. It used to be such a godsend on Sunday night. In fact, I can say that's what actually changed me from being a fallen-away Catholic back to a devout one. Ah, I, that made my day. That, that's wonderful to hear. I'm glad it did. So uh, you you organize the folks that are not unionized uh well i do both i mean we all, all now wait a minute wait wait do you do it in the you don't do it you see i'm a little confused here you are with the seiu yes so you're doing it for state employees no we represent uh i work exclusively in the private sector oh well, I, I don't have an issue there but that's all right yeah <laughs> I, I don't know my big issue is with state and federal and, and local employee unions I think if you yeah, work for well, the public, if you work for the public, you shouldn't be unionized. But if you work for private industry, that's that's your prerogative. Yeah, I wish it's too bad. I wish people could be could, could sort of make that fine distinction when they talk about the labor movement, but it doesn't seem to work that way. So, what what does it mean? You will go into a, a sector, and you will uh, are you are you like an agitator? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's part. Yeah, that's part of the job. And the places where the the workers that I'm working with don't have a union contract or the union is not in, you know, is not doesn't deal with their employer yet. Yeah, we agitate, get people together, and organize for their own benefit and protection. Ultimately, get a union. So, how contract. do you how do you explain the fact that there are a lot of employees, for example, various airlines, they don't want, like for example, flight attendants. They often vote not to unionize. How do you explain that? In the few seconds well, remaining, the labor movement has, you know, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a Dave here. I'm kind of anonymous. Like, the labor movement has, you know, from 1955 onward, when they had this great mass of workers, rather than than being competent, there was a lot of incompetence that led to a lot of people thinking unions are worthless. And that term union is like saying government is worthless, in my opinion. But people, you know, again, once you get that reputation, it never yeah. goes away. Well, uh, as I said, I am truly delighted you listened to the show, Dave. Thank you.
You are listening to the best of the Dennis Prager Show. Hello, my friends. This is the Labor Day Show on the Dennis Prager Show. What do you do for a living? That's the question. And it's um, every year I'm amazed at the variety of work that Americans do. I What was today's most obscure one? That's what I thought. Exactly what I thought. And they make they make they can make a good living getting the coupons and ads on the back of the receipts at your grocery store. All right, let's. Uh, well, I, I think obscure too is uh, running the heart lung machine in those. I mean, how many? Yeah, and the motorcycle. And the more. Yeah, we had a lot of that. Yeah. All right, let's go. Let's go on here. Brian Alpharetta, Georgia. Dennis Prager. Hi. Hi, Dennis. How are you? Good. Well, thank you. I have not uh, called in since 11 years ago when I was 15 years old, and you sound the same over the phone as you did then. Just wanted you to know that. Well, that's very nice. I feel the same, actually, if not better. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so, well, let's see. So you called in at 15. I did. Well, you, you were talking about. Uh, I believe it's what kind of music kids my age at the time listened to. Right. I was a member of a symphony orchestra, and so I guess I was more of an exception. Um, I, I didn't listen to as much of the pop culture music. So, What about today? Do you listen to pop music today? Um, I did more in college, but it's uh, it's amazing what having a two-year-old will do. They start to say things they shouldn't because you're listening to music you shouldn't be. Oh, that's so, funny. You change your tune pretty quick. That's like the woman who called me once to say why she took her kid out of daycare. The first words that she heard her daughter say were, come on down. They yeah. had they had the prices right on all the time. Nice. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Okay, I called in today, uh, first of all, to say I was listening to your show in the last hour, and a mother who homeschools her kids called in, and that's when I started dialing because I was homeschooled. I was homeschooled at the time I called you. Uh, and for nine years before that, and now I am a power engineer uh, living on the other side of the country uh, with my family, my wife, and my, my two-year-old daughter. So uh, I'm a power engineer. I was homeschooled. And I guess the reason I wanted to do power engineering is because in high school and in college, people of my generation, if you're interested in engineering or math or even video games, we all wished we were around when Bill Gates or Hewlett and Packard were doing their thing, and you, you kind of feel like you missed the, the Silicon Valley boom a little bit. And what I realized in college was that's happening in the power world right now. Uh-oh. I'll put it this way. If, you drive, if I were to drive by your house, I guess, how many, how many computerized devices would be in that house? Oh, a dozen. All right. Uh, do you know what a substation is? It's that... It's that uh, area where all the power lines go, and they're surrounded by a, a barbed wire fence, a razor wire fence, and there's a little control house sitting in the middle there, and they usually at the side of the road, and people tend not to pay attention to them. But if you were to drive by a substation, I, the chances are pretty high that you would not find a computer chip in any device inside that building. And so the computer revolution 
in the power industry is happening right now, and it's pretty fun to be a part of. Wait, it's happening in, in, in that, oh, now computers are entering that world. Right, exactly. I see. So and we're that, so used to the buy a new cell phone every two years and throw it away, put it in the, in the trash bin and everything, and, and for power... You don't want to invest in equipment that you're going to have to replace every couple of years. So it's been a major challenge to get computerized devices into the power industry. Well, so why is that an asset? Uh, it's an asset because if you're relying on switches and springs and electromagnets to control the flow of your power and react to problems like trees falling against your power lines, once it's done its job, it's done its job. The power's out. How do you know where the problem was, or how do you know why it turned the power off on this neighborhood? There's there's no way to know. If you're using a computerized device, you can have memory, much like a computer in there, and it can be constantly storing the voltage and the current, the power that it's seeing. And so when it, divides, when it decides to turn the power off on somebody, you can go connect to it, even remotely, and ask it why, and it should be able to give you a reason why, wow. and it should be able to give you. And that's what, and that's your. That so that's your area of work. Yes. At the at the cusp of uh, of the power industry. Yes, it's fun. Well, call me eleven years from now, if not sooner. Okay, sounds good, Dennis. Thank you. Uh, you're wonderful, really. It's heartwarming, isn't it? Called me when he was fifteen. And now he's, uh, you know, at the cutting edge of this industry. You're a good man. And he's already made a family at 26. That, that's good stuff. Gene in Philadelphia, Dennis Prager. Hello, Gene. Hey, Dennis. Uh, you know, I've always wanted to thank Sean for something. Oh, uh, no, no. He gets too much. <laughs> he gets too much praise here. Please. Can but I all right, please? go ahead. Through his bumper music, he's introduced me to one of my favorite bands, the Fleet Foxes, or Fleet Foxes, I should say. The Fleet Foxes? Yeah. He, I'm sure he knows what I'm talking about. Sean, do you know what he's talking about? Alan gets credit for it. That's what Sean said. That, see, that's why I like You like Sean because of the music, but I like Sean because he gives Alan the credit for the music because Alan picked the music. That's uh, So I'll give him double thank you. Okay. That's right. right. Well, I, I write and illustrate children's books for a living. Get out. I do. Both write and illustrate. Yeah. Give us the name of one. Uh, well, I guess uh, my latest one is called Timeless Thomas, How Thomas Edison Changed Our Lives. I like that title, Timeless Thomas. Yeah. So your background is in uh, in art? Well, I'm self-taught there. I'm, I'm uh yeah, but I started as an illustrator in books, and since about 2005, I've also been writing as well. You love your work? I, I uh, you know, I always have to, um, when things get a little frustrated or you get notes back from the publisher, yeah, that's the things the, you don't want to do, that, yeah. you, I mean, you know that feeling. Yeah. Um, yeah but no, you still have to just thank, your, you know, thank the heavens that you're doing something you love for a living. So who did publish the last book? Henry Holt. Oh, you're you're okay. I mean, that, it's very hard to make it in your field. Yeah, I, that's where I knock wood too, because I've been able to make it a consistent living and yeah. books do well and get reviewed well. Not yeah, that that's very very rare. Congratulations, thank you. I know I know about that. I mean, I, I have not done children's books, but I know I know people who have. It's very very well. All books is it's very hard to get published. 
I, pub- I, I published my first book on my own. It did so well. Simon & Schuster then published it, and then the rest of the books were published by by reputable or and, and you know famous publishers. But my first book was on my own, and uh, it did very well. Thank God. <laughs> okay, my friends, we continue. Let's see, we got an actor calling in. They're always fun. We'll be back in a moment. This is the Labor Day Show. Dennis Prager laboring. Listening to the best of the Dennis Prager Show. Where don't you know? That's the sound of the men working on the chain. Gang. That's the sound of the men working on the chain. Gang. All day long they're saying. I love this. Labor Day music for the Labor Day Show with a laboring Dennis Prager. One of the uh, only times of the year that I come into the studio in shorts, knowing that only Sean will be here. <laughs> Otherwise, and and he can vouch for it, it's a shirt and tie and slacks every day. What do you do for a living, my friends? That's the question on this day. And, oh, there are so many good calls. It's difficult to choose. Katie, Arizona. Hello, Katie. Hello. I make teeth. So does God. <laughs> and he does a much better job than me. I will I will confess that. All right. Okay. Uh, that's humble. What does it mean you, you make teeth? Well, you go to the dentist, and he tells you you need a crown, and he grinds your teeth all up and takes an impression, and the impression comes to somebody like me. And I'm the one who turns that into the crown that goes back into your mouth. You make the teeth from, or the tooth from that impression? Yes. So does that amount to essentially filling that, that uh, what is it, indentation, what is it again? The impression, the impression yeah. the doctor takes. So do you fill it, is, and and then it hardens, and then you have the tooth? It, well, you make, a, you make a model out of that, kind of like pouring up a plaster mold. Right. Um, and then you, depending on what it is you're having made, um, you know, we make, <laughs> we make a tooth that goes on that. A lot of them are, you know, nowadays are all porcelain, and sometimes they have metal substructures. Um, but, yeah, we make the tooth, we make it fit your model, make it fit. What's the biggest your... difference between the God-given and the Katie-given? <laughs> um, the materials. You, you just can't make, um, you know how you think about how diamonds can cut glass? Right. They're stronger? Yes. Um, you just can't make a material that it wears on your opposite teeth um, as, as well as a natural tooth. So you're always going to have problems with... Um, teeth wearing down and stuff like that opposite of your crown unless you get a gold crown 
they're still the best, unfortunately. No thanks. <laughs> oh, oh, that's see, isn't that amazing that we can't replicate uh, nature in that way? They're getting better. There's a lot of good materials. Out so, there. well, well, what is the best new material? Oh gosh, you know what? It, it depends on what you want. If you want something really highly aesthetic, or um, which is what most people so want. So it's usually a trade-off between durability and aesthetic, correct? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. So you have to come back. But I, I, I go for aesthetics. I agree with you. Yeah. But so do you, do you actually meet the patient or you just meet their mold? Oh, never. I just meet the mold. In fact, all of my um, clients are out of state. How's that? So what, do you work at home? Yeah, I do. Uh-huh. Oh. Would you like to meet the patient, or are you very happy the way it works now? Um, I'm even happy not meeting the doctors. <laughs> so what did you study to be a dental technician? No, no nobody, nobody studies to be a dental technician. You fall into this line of work, and you get trapped, and you never get out. So um, you can study. You can get... All right, so uh, then I... All right, look, this brings out the, the obvious question. One to ten, how much do you love it? Um... You know what? I love the actual work. I give the work a nine. Um, it's the schedule that's sometimes like a five. It, it's very, you know, unsteady work. Some Sometimes in the year you're working 12, 14, 16 hours a day, and then sometimes in the year you're, you're you know, hardly have any work. There's a, there's a definite curve to when people get their crowns done. Is they that right? Is, and wait, that goes year after year, the same time of the year? Oh, yeah. Why, when do, I have no idea what the answer is. What is the when do they want their crowns done? Um, at the end of the year, at Christmas time, so you never get to go to any Christmas parties, and uh, at the beginning of the year, but not during the summer, and not when kids are going back to school. You got to spend money on other things. Then. Do you have a family? Um, yes, I do. So do your uh, do your you have kids? Obviously, I mean, so you, do the kids watch you do this? Yes, they do. They get a kick out of it. Um, they're a little too young right now, um, but they they do find it interesting. Yes. Well, Katie, I thank you, and uh, I, I think you do very important work being the owner of Crowns myself. We return on the Labor Day show on the Dennis Prager show. You are listening to the best of the Dennis Prager Show. I can ride rope, a hammer and paint, do things with my hands that most men can't. I can't get ahead no matter how hard I try. I'm getting really good at barely getting by. You're listening to Dennis Prager Show. I can't believe that uh, we're coming to the end here. It's It's been so uh, interesting. What do you do for a living? Stephanie in California is a life coach for artists, painters, musicians. She connects businesses with artists. They can work together. Cliff in Queens, New York is, uh, what is HVAC? Uh, Installation and maintenance. He's originally from the country, Jamaica, and now he lives in Jamaica, Queens. 
Ralph in Manhattan is an actor, and I wish we could talk to you because I promised that we would. Heating, ventilation, and air conditioning. Okay. Ralph, you should be the first next year. David in Texas is a substation engineer for utilities. Alan Houston owns a company that makes and sells various charcuterie artisan foods, bacon, guanjali, sausages, smoked cheeses, mustards. Says he gets paid to play a mad scientist in the kitchen. Richard in Colorado develops franchises for businesses. That's fascinating. I'd love to talk to you. I'll... In the final minute, I'll tell you what I do for a living. I try to make sense of life every day for three hours and offer you my best thoughts reflecting my highest values and make it interesting for three hours a day. And I am extremely fortunate to be able to do so. But everyone who loves his work is fortunate to do so. It is not a unique fortune. That's why so many of you rated your love of your work highly. And I appreciate that fact. And I want to add one more word, that those who stay home and take care of kids are doing the most important work to make a home, to be a good spouse, to make a happy home. No job compares in ultimately making a better world. It's just, it doesn't bring in a direct paycheck. That's the only difference. Thank you, my friends, and a wonderful Labor Day to you. I'm Dennis Prager, and I remind you to visit StandUSA.com for the values we share. Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525.